0: Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I will be your host. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the show. Today, I'm going to talk with Matthew Skundrich, and we're going to talk about some of the recent changes with NASTIF and VSP credentials. And we'll get into not only exactly you know what NASTIF's role in the VSP credential is, what a VSP credential is, you know, what's it take to get one, what do you need it for, and some of the new changes that are coming up uh, with recent things that have been uh, put out there. Really, really informative. I really enjoyed this talk. I learned a lot. I, I mean, I tend to learn a lot when I talk to anybody on this podcast, but especially Matt, he's got just a crazy amount of knowledge on this subject and a whole bunch of others. But... We'll get into it here. Uh, just as a uh, warning, we did have a little bit of an audio delay. Uh, it's my internet for sure. I had a tree fall down on the on the internet uh, cables going to my house, and it's been a little glitchy. But, anyways, uh, we made it through it pretty well. Just wanted to let you know if we're talking over each other at any point, that's why. But other than that, we'll get right into the episode. There we
1: go. All right. So yeah, I'm over. I'm over COVID. Um, okay. The wife got it five days after I got it, and I was very excited she got it because she banned me to the bedroom (laughs) until somebody else got it because she was trying to avoid everybody else getting it. And let me tell you, five days of being in the bedroom alone, I was bored. <laughs> yeah no kidding my wife's over there doing the cry me over her face <laughs> she has no idea how bad it was i watched all the marvel movies in chronological order by myself
0: holy on my crappy
1: laptop <laughs> yeah that's wh- how much wh- free time i had
0: which one's the first one in chronological order it's
1: <laughs> it was it's weird um I don't even remember. I want to say it was still Iron Man. Like the first Iron Man. Okay. Okay. So that that was probably... And then then it's like... Yeah, it's a weird order. It's like Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2. Then there's a break uh, for Iron Man 3. And what I found really interesting about the whole thing, because I had no life for five days, (laughs) was that um, the Hulk... Is not, even though it's a Marvel movie, Universal owns the rights to the Hulk. Kind of like Sony owned the rights to Spider Man. Sure, sure. And so Disney Plus can't show the Hulk. So I had to rent the Hulk for two ninety nine off Amazon <laughs> so I could watch it.
0: <laughs> Which one did you I mean, rent it was though? Dumb, they had, but I'm they, like, whatever. They had two Hulk movies, right?
1: <clears throat> All right. Technically three. Um, okay. Because the they did two years ago when like universal studios first came out. Um, so we're talking, Oh man, 2000, 2001. And there was two of those. There was a one and a two. It was supposed to be a trilogy. and never made the three. Then in 2013, they redid it again and they kind of sure. fit it into with the Marvel universe. Um, and that's the one that's got the, uh, the newest one's the one that's got the military guy who becomes like the rhino and it's the bad guy. And it was like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't have given that guy the drugs. That was a bad (laughs) idea. Now the Hulk's (laughs) got to beat this guy up. So yeah. Yeah. Somebody makes a stupid decision in those movies. I'm like, these movies should just be called how not to do things. (laughs) It's, But that's what I did. And then I wrote an article for a magazine, um, which, bless my wife's poor heart, I mean, she had to edit it, and she read a sentence out loud and looked at me with, like, three heads, and I was like, that's actually a correct sentence. And she's like, it doesn't even make any sense. There's, like, four – I'm like, just leave it alone and move on. Leave it and move on. And so that's what we did. And then I kid you not, the technical writer – she wrote me and she's like, this sentence makes no sense. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my wife. <laughs> Leave it and move on.
0: <laughs> okay. So you have your wife uh, and edit stuff calls. for you
1: as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and then I sent it to uh, a couple buddies in the industry just to get their opinions. And one of them sent it back like four days after it was due. And it is the most brilliant editing job I've ever seen in my life. So that guy is now getting all my papers after my <laughs> wife fixes them grammatically. Because I'll type like a whole sentence and there's words missing. She'll be like, read this sentence. And I'll read it. And I read the words there. And she's like, that word's not even in there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry. So, yeah. For a kid with a Bible degree, I have pretty bad grammatical skills. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, not my strong suit either. Uh, being a teacher, I feel like I should be better at that stuff. Sometimes I'll be, maybe I gotta write on the whiteboard or something like that. I'm like, shit, I don't know how to spell that word. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, I was a technician <laughs> for a long time. It's it's not my thing. If I used to work with a guy, who he'd write up his work orders and stuff, and he would obviously poor spelling or can't even read the word, and the service writers would give him crap about it. Like, can't you make this more legible? And he'd look at him. He'd be like, Yeah, I I gave up being an English major to be a technician. What do you want to do about it? <laughs> that was always his answer for that. So that's what I that's what I told my students too. I was like, Yeah, you know, I gave up gave up being an English major. So now yeah, what are you gonna do? That's fun.
1: Yeah, when I had to write 10-page papers every week for Bible college, it was like, oh, here's another one. But I, I was very fortunate. Um, I have a friend of mine who liked to edit papers, apparently, for me. And um, so he would edit them. But then he'd also, like, challenge my theology or anything in the paper. He's like, well, I disagree with this. Can you prove why it's right? And I'm like... fine. we can have a discussion about it since you're being kind enough to edit these papers, but it's turned into like a long friendship now. I mean, I've known him for ever, it seems. And he's like my second dad. So it's, it's fun now how things start and move about from little things like that.
0: Well, it's, it's good to have somebody that'll actually question you and challenge you from time to time too. It's, uh, it's actually a positive thing that, uh, not everybody realizes how, how good it is to have somebody question what you're doing or what
1: you're thinking that can really work out in your benefit in the long run. Just listen, if you want to be, if you want to be questioned about every decision you ever make or any test you want to do on a car, just become a mobile technician. Because when you pull up to that shop and you say, Hey, I'm going to start with checking fuses first words out of their mouth. And I'll bet you 20 bucks on her. Don't worry. I already checked them. And then the f- next words out of my mouth are, well, did you check to make sure they were all installed? And there's usually a blank stare on their face when I leave and hand them a $150 bill for installing a fuse.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, Hey, that's uh kind of along the lines of what we want to talk about today. Um, there's some stuff going on with uh, VSP credentials, NASTIF, some stuff that's going around, and some people are worked up about it. But what I thought would be a good idea was to get somebody on here who knows this stuff very well. That'd be you, and um, we'll just put out some information, get out some facts, maybe put some opinions, you know, our our viewpoints to what's going on, and uh, we can we can run through it here. Um, but I thought we'd go through some basics first, right? Just to cover what's what in case anybody listening is not familiar with what we're talking about here. Um, and we'll just, we'll start off with the VSP or I think what used to be called the LSID. And maybe we just walk through what that is and then we can move on from there.
1: Yeah. So they, they did recently change it. It used to be LSI or. L-I-S-D. Locksmith, L-S-I-D, yeah. Locksmith identification. Um, And it was, it was mainly geared towards locksmiths, right? Like if you needed to cut a key and you wanted a key code, that's how you got it. Well, then as cars got more complex, we had to do security and modules more. And then more and more modules got more and more security. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But then NASDAQ decided that we should not just call it a Locksmith ID because these guys are no longer just Locksmith. We should call it a vehicle security professional. So, we it, the name has changed, but it still gives you some of the same features, but we've gained some things as as technology has moved along. Um so yeah, I mean, I did not have my LSID when I first started my business. Um and that was six and a half years ago five five and a half years ago I'm on year six so five and a half years ago and I didn't need it at the time and it didn't didn't dawn on me to really get it so I didn't um I actually think I got it about three years ago and and Ford was what pushed me to go get it and and we'll get into that later on in detail but so this is something newer for the automotive technicians that may not know that cars are going to require this to do certain things now i need it because i'm working on 2021s already um i've already done one maki which the car's pretty sweet i kind of want one now i wish it was (laughs) like ford explorer size because i'd totally trade my wife's st explorer in for maki um (laughs) but i'm working on 2021s already so I, I have to have the latest and greatest. So it's it's kind of weird when you're mobile and you work at some of these body shops or, or some of the dealers call you because you, you have to have certain things on them. And that's where this VSP has come in to play is at that dealer. Now, in case you're wondering to get the VSP, it is a lengthy process. Um, they have changed their – NASDAQ has changed their website. They've updated it. Um, I know people now getting approved within a week of oh, applying uh. where when I applied, it was like, Oh, we'll get back to you in four to six weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, it's going to take a while.
0: Yeah. Um, mine was about the same.
1: So yeah. But when the Nasdaq, Nasdaq, nasdaq I don't know how to say it. It's too late. Um, when they updated to SDRM 2.0 and it went, all web-based because if you remember you and i got this paperwork you filled it out by hand you took pictures of it you emailed it in right well now you just fill it all out online it's one form it's boom boom done um they really did streamline the process with with sdrm 2.0 i mean they get a lot of flack for doing some things wrong i thought sdrm 2.0 was a little weird in the beginning but their application process is super streamlined now um i had a buddy literally he got his in a couple days. So if if your ducks are in a row and and these are the ducks you got to have in a row, I I made a list so we can go through them. Um, The first one, it's the biggest and it's what kills most of the people in our automotive industry is a background check. Um, I tried to do some more research on this, but the information is a little shaky to find. And I didn't feel like emailing them because they're getting bombarded with questions. And I knew I wouldn't get an answer by the time we were filming this or recording this. Um, But I believe it's no theft-related crimes or felonies for eight years. And to me, this is a big killer in the automotive industry because I don't want to call us a second-chance industry, but it sure seems like there's a lot of guys who learn to work on cars in prison. They get out, and then they come here. So this is a big killer to a lot of guys who maybe screwed up seven years ago. And and there's some crimes if you do them – um, I, I want to say it's grand theft or something. There's a couple crimes that if you commit them, I don't care if you did it 40 years ago, if it's on your record, you can never get an LSID. Okay. So if these guys own a shop, they they can't get it because of what happened 30 years ago. Right. So, um, so you got to pass a background check. Next, you got to have a commercial general liability insurance with a $1 million policy coverage And five hundred thousand dollars per incident. Now, if you don't have it, it's not a big deal. NASDAQ has like links to where you can buy an insurance and that insurance agent knows exactly what you need. It's kind of like nation it's a nationwide insurance because there's rules and laws regulating who can sell insurance and what state and blah 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 blah. But it's weird. Um you can get it from them, so it's not a big deal. But most shops have that. I mean, if you have a shop, you have a million dollar policy um the next thing you need a driver's license so if you don't have a driver's license you can't get an ls id you need a proof of business um so basically i just send them a copy of my llc um documentation i get every year <clears throat> when i renew um the next one's kind of weird they want a business card or a letterhead they basically just go okay well you have this business license but do you have a business card that, that shows <laughs> your name with the business because they want to make sure like you're really working for this business it's not like you just own it and you're never there so whatever right um it's it's easy enough to do and then the next one is they want a locksmith license or an auto repair license if required by your state um this one's a little weird to me because like not all my counties in florida require a locksmith license some of them do but then Like I don't need an automotive repair license because I'm not actually fixing cars. I'm more of like an automotive consultant is what they registered me as with my state. So it became weird in itself. And so this one, that requirement of the license for either locksmith or automotive really depends on what you're doing more so than it's super strict. Then you're going to need your EIN. Um, If you own a business, you know what an EIN is. Um, that's your fun tax document stuff, and then the last thing is you need two professional references that are not family, and then on top of all this, you get to pay four hundred and seventy-five bucks, I think. I think it's what it is. Oh, uh, often like do you have to pay that? Um, you pay that every two years. So <clears throat> when you get this license, it's good for two years, which is nice. Um, now. For example, my insurance comes up every year. My business license comes up every year. If your driver's license expires, they will email you and tell you, hey, this document's getting ready to expire. You need to upload a new one by date X. Um, and they're pretty easy going. I will say like, there was a couple times where I emailed, um, actually not this year, but the previous year, I put in my new insurance and they denied me. And I'm like, what? It's the same insurance I had last year as this year. I renewed the same policy. And um, he's like, well, we needed to state this now because we've had issues and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, and it was, I got really mad at them. I really did. But it was my fault because I did not do my due diligence and look to see what changes were made. And and it's simple enough to do, right? You just don't care. It's insurance. Nobody. We're shop owners. We don't pay attention to it until we need it. And then we pray we have enough. I mean, it just seems to be the way we work. Um, so it's every two years, unless you have a document come up. So I can tell you right now, every February, I have to do my business license and my insurance. So I, I do it every February. And I have a new insurance guy this year. And I when I got my email from Nastef, hey, your insurance is going to expire. I sent it to him and said, hey, I need this. And then he wrote to Nasdaq and said, here it is. If you have any if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please call me. And I'll tell you what, that was the best way to do it. Because when I uploaded the document, it was like, boom, approved. And then they denied my business license. And I was like, <laughs> why would you deny my business license? I was really dumb and picked the wrong the wrong year because I just save them, right? Sure. And I put the 2020 in the 2020 spot instead of the (laughs) 2021 spot. And I was like, oh, that was my fault. So I was all annoyed until I realized I was an idiot. And then I was like, oh, okay. Cause when they send you an email, it's so generic. It kind of annoys you. It's like, Hey, we denied the following documents. And they just tell you out of this list what they denied. So.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I did with the insurance was I, I talked to my insurance guy. I'm like, here's what, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And can, can you help me out and figure out all this stuff that they need? Worked with him. He's, he got the stuff set up and all, all the particular things on the insurance document that need to be there. And then it worked. So um, that, like you said, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely the way to go. If you're trying to get the details work out <laughs> there.
1: Yeah. And then once you have it, like I switched insurances, so what I did was is I, uh, I I had a copy of my entire policy, and so I sent it to my new – the the guy who said, oh, I could probably get you a better deal on in insurance. And he actually did. I couldn't believe it because, you know, you hear that crap all the time. Oh, I'll, do, I'll get you a better rate and better coverage. I'm like, yeah, right. No, the guy really did. So <clears throat> um, I sent him my entire policy and said I need at least this or better. And then I said it, it, if you're going to make any changes, you got to email NASDAQ and ask. And he said, nope, not going to make any changes. We're just going to increase – some of your limits to give you better coverage and so i don't know maybe it's because he increased the limits that it helped I, I i have no idea but this year it was like boom boom or maybe he emailed them behind the scenes and i just don't know like i'm good with that too whatever it took it took so yeah that's the biggest the biggest killer for people is the insurance i'll tell you right now it's sure. everybody i know that's mobile Hates the insurance part because it ain't cheap,
0: and I think I think some states and it's is, more difficult than others to to get it. I, I remember here in uh, Cody, he was said he had a really difficult time uh, with with that end of it, just because they didn't understand what he was doing as a mobile technician.
1: That was my problem with my business license when I started. They didn't understand what I was doing, and so. Because in the state of Florida, they have certain things they want in repair orders and da 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 And I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm not fixing the car. Like, it's falling under the shop's automotive repair license. I'm there consulting about what it needs done. And when I said that, the lady's like, oh, that's all you're doing? Oh, here you go. Thanks. Thanks for wasting our time. And I was like, oh, thanks. And, yeah. I mean, if I had to do that argument today, I'd be a little lost. I mean, I was a little lost when I did it. But I got it and... (laughs) Now that it's a renewal, it's just like, please renew. Here's my money. I mean, they don't even care what you're doing anymore once you have it. It's like, just send more money to the government.
0: <laughs> so once you go through this whole process, you get all this stuff in line, you put it in, you pay your money, you get your uh, VSP credential. What exactly are you using this for? And I'm sure there's lots of examples, but where
1: would <clears throat> there you are There are lots, this? but I'll, I'll stick with... so. If you're a Mercedes shop, you needed to order pretty much any Mercedes part because they're all theft related parts (TRP). Um, I actually have some shops who are like, "Hey, if I pay you some money, can you order a theft related part for me?" And I'm like, "No, because I can't program it because I ain't buying the fifty thousand dollars stupid tool, so I ain't doing it." Um, so for me, it mainly fell on Ford. So 2018 and plus Fords, if you want to do anything security, you gotta have a you gotta have your VSP. Um, there's no more 10-minute waits. Thank God. You just type in your login, do your parameter reset, key learned, done. Um, it's kind of nice. Um, the other one is Chrysler. Everybody and their brother was getting pin codes from Chrysler from the dealer. Oh, man, I just bought the guy a pizza. He hands me a pin code. <laughs> well, that worked great. And then Chrysler kind of caught on to this, and they decided to go to a rolling code system. And the way the code works is there's a five-digit lifetime code in the car, which is why you get a five-digit when you pull it with a key tool. But then when you're using YTech, it decides if you're using an aftermarket or dealer login. And then the logarithm to get the four-digit 24-hour code varies if it's aftermarket or dealer. So if you have an aftermarket login and you're using a dealer pin code, it just says oh, uh, and it wigs out and it thinks you're dumb. So then you have to buy the pin code through tech authority, which you can only do if you have your VSP. And of course, anytime you're using your VSP, you get the, the fun part of filling out all the paperwork afterwards, which is just a joy. <laughs> but at least it's not like what it used to be. Um, again, SDRM 2.0 made it kind of nice. On SDRM 1.0, you used to have to keep a copy of all this paperwork in your truck all the time. And then you had to keep it for seven years. And then at any point, NASDAQ could say, Hey, we need to see this VIN number. Cause you did a, a, a D one form on it back in 2004. And you're like, it's 2020 man. That's six years ago. You really <laughs> want me to go dig that up? And they do these random audit checks on you. And it was kind of like, eh. well, now that it's all online, boom, you're done. You don't have to carry nothing. It's all on them. And, and they can check it as they want. So, I, I love the, the new process compared to the old one. It did take some getting used to, not going to lie. Like it took some time getting used to, but now that we have it, I like it. Um, and, and just so uh, I'll go ahead and say it. The things you got to have to fill out the D1 are the driver's license and the registration. I mean, you need that from every customer. And the problem is neither one of those documents can be expired. So you run into some issues, especially during COVID, where this yeah. government that issues all that crap is not open. And so there was a little bit of a sketchiness there for a while where I was like, uh, I need to make a key and I need a key cut code. So, uh, yep, you're getting an experience. Buy your driver's license because this dude can't go for another four months. And and I'll be honest, like as much flack as NASDAQ takes sometimes, I tell you what, they were pretty lenient with that stuff. Um they would be like, oh, okay, yep, yep, the government's closed, we can we can verify that, da da. You know, and it's like, sweet. So
0: Well, I think you, you touched on an important point there is that for us to use the credential and pull a pin code or do whatever you need to with this. The owner of the vehicle has to be present with us there, right?
1: No, that's. For, they have to be present for the shop and give the shop the driver's license. The shop can make a copy of the driver's license. The registration in Florida is always in the car, so um, that's never an issue. So when I get there, I'm trusting that the driver's license the shop gave me is the owner. They match the picture to the owner. And then you have to make sure the name on the driver's license matches the registration. If it doesn't match, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, it's just the way it is. And and I run into some really odd problems here because we have people from like the islands where mm-hmm. their daughter might be here, but they're over in Puerto Rico, but they own the car. And I'm like, well, we can't. <laughs> this is not going to work like you need to either transfer ownership of this car or he needs to come here. So we've had some interesting situations where, you know, the random China tool has bailed me out of a jam here and there.
0: <laughs> tools of questionable origin.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tools of question. That was it. I couldn't think of how they <laughs> worded it. Yeah. Tools of questionable origin have bailed me out of a jam a couple times, but <clears throat> This isn't, I mean, we're, we're, we're joking and having fun, but this is something that kind of actually did not start off as what I think they they thought it would start off as. Um, <clears throat> I started looking into this, and, and NASDAQ was not about keys back in the day. It was about information. So they really were more focused on making sure that we as the aftermarket had the information we needed to fix the cars which in today's terms it's turned into security because i can tell you right now if you go over to australia and you're like hey man i need to program this key i need this pin code or i need access to programming it the only way you're doing it's eeprom um i was at Locksmith event and there's a guy from Australia and he was wicked good with EEPROM and I'm like man you are really good at soldering desoldering and seeing where the keys are he's like dude this is the only way we do it in Australia there's no onboard programming there's no d programming it's rip the theft module out write the key in it put the theft module back and move on and uh-huh. so I was like every car he's like every car and now they're starting to get into where they're Australia is now trying to pass laws so they can be more like the United States and have some of the functions that we have now because that's what NASDAQ started years ago. So that's how far behind Australia is.
0: Okay. I mean, what was the – what was the the real push though to – I'm trying to word this the right way. Formalize
1: it. It, Yeah. 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 It's, I don't know. I say formalize. I wish people could see my air quotes formalize (laughs) it. So, you know, they started and NASDAQ started 1999 in Arizona. Um, And it really started once IATN and information became more rampant and they realized they needed to be more formal. So, they kind of saw these changes coming to become more formal and realized they needed to go that way so i pulled this up in like the history of nasdaq through some magazine thing i found this is what it said in 2006 industry leaders the board members of the organization include representatives of the automotive service association asa automotive service councils of california ascca Automotive Locksmiths of America, ALOA, the Equipment and Tool Institute, ETI, International Automotive Technicians Network, IATN, Global Automakers Association, Alliance of Automotive Manufacturers, AAM, National Automotive Dealers Association, NADA, Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association, AASA, Motor Information Systems, Pacific Technology Solutions, National Institute for Automotive S- Automotive Service and Excellence, ASE, voted to make NASDEF a 501c3 to help them to complete the mission they all agreed on. And what mission did these leaders – which, reading that list, that's like some of the biggest organizations still today. <laughs> yeah. um, their mission was was pretty simple – it was facilitate the identification and corrections of gaps in availability and accessibility of automotive service information training diagnostic tools and equipment and communications to the automotive service professionals so all them big groups of people the ASA AOLA if you do anything with locks you know ALOA um is still pretty big ETI is huge in tools. I mean, I've seen them, and we all have our ASEs. I mean, they all voted to make NASDAQ a formal 501c3. I mean, when we donate that money to NASDAQ, it's like it's it's a nonprofit. Like, they spend every penny they get, and they never carry any money over. I mean, their goal isn't to make a billion dollars. Their goal is to help improve the industry, and they spend that money to improve the industry. So, I mean – for the little bit of budget they get, I feel like they've done some big things for us. I mean, I'm still excited. I can program GM by OBD and I ain't got to take the theft module out every time. I mean, I'm good with that. Um, Yeah. No kidding. So, so, I mean the idea that they're there for information, um, I, I think it's working. Um, I mean, we've had some other really interesting changes come up that not all those organizations agreed with. Um, for example, ASA did not like the Right to Repair Act, Part 1 or Part 2. So, it is interesting to see what the ASA likes and doesn't like and how they go about it. So, what issue we'll did talk they have about that, that later. <clears throat> um. I can't, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but I just remember, um, I know for part two, the part two is dealing with more of the like it side of the software. Like, Hey, you, you have the right to that software and ASA is like, mm, we're getting into like information technology stuff and IOT internet of things. And, and self-driving and blah, 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 like this kind of, I think it kind of stemmed back to when the Chrysler got hacked and the guy could drive it around the parking lot <laughs> because yep. he put a, uh, a micropod in that had a virus on it. I mean, we all remember that on 2020. So I think they more kind of went, well, wait a minute. We already know people can drive these cars if they really wanted with throttle by wire, brake by wire. Well now we have these sensors and radars and we're moving to autonomous vehicles I don't think we really need to let people have as much information out of their cars. They think they need. Um, So they opposed it. And, and I know lots of my industry friends also opposed part two. Part one was a little more iffy. Um, I opposed part one, but we'll talk about that later when we talk about some of the new changes NASDAQ made, because I think part one was the can of worms that got opened that some people are complaining about. And I think we're going about complaining in the wrong way.
0: All right, well, yeah, there is some uh, so, new stuff happening with uh, with all of this, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you. Um, I guess we we can lead into that by starting with rap programming and describing what that is, and that'll lead us to the next topic
1: <clears throat> okay, yeah, rap programming stands it it's rap is copyrighted and owned by Opus. Who owns Drew Tech now? So I'll state that. So I'm using their definition um, just so we don't get like, you know, some kind of like cease and desist. We mentioned RAP. RAP is owned by Opus. Um, RAP stands for Remote Access Programming. And what it is, is it's a um, Pelican case, Pelican knockoff case. It's got an IOTA battery charger in it, I think, or something like it. Uh, and it's got a cardac 3 and a tablet in it. So it's got a thing that you plug the cable, you hook up jumper cables to, you plug it in, you put those jumper cables on the car, you hook up the OBD to the OBD port, and then you call up Opus and say, hey, I have this 2015 Ford F-150, I need to have somebody program the PCM. And I say, okay, we'll put you in our queue. You hang up the phone, you keep doing your brake job however long later 27 hours who knows i don't know i don't have a rap so i don't know i can make fun of them for having long wait times i don't (laughs) think it's really 27 hours i think it's like one or two so but 27 hours later because it sounds good you know for the mobile people so uh they call you back and they say okay we need you to turn the key on turn the key off turn the key on okay wait okay it's programmed turn the key off turn the key on okay see if the car starts all right car starts thanks have a good day bye click and you just spent 150 bucks um so you don't have to know anything about programming. All you have to know is how to follow some basic instructions and hook it up and have decent internet. Um, their tablets kind of unique. It's got this special software on it where the one shop I know that has a wrap. Um, I asked the guy to film when it was working and he's like, why it's just a black screen. He's right. Like it comes on as soon as they remote in boop, screen goes out. So you can't even see what they're doing. So it's not even like you could buy a wrap and then learn how to program from watching them do it a hundred times. It's, there's nothing there, um, but the biggest limitation to this has been LSID, and and in case you missed it, it's because of earlier, when I talked about going to that shop, I had to verify the driver's license and the registration, and I had to be present at that car. You can't share your VSP number, so if, if Sean, if you worked for me, and I sent you to a car, I can't let you use my VSP number. You would have to be a subsidiary of my VSP. Um, so I would be the main, you would be a sub account under me, but you would still have to have your own VSP. And then if you have a sub account, you got to have like a hundred thousand dollar bond, which is stupid expensive. So I will never have any employees that have a VSP. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, that's been the limitations of RAP. So they could program, let's say a 2018 Ford PCM, but then they can't do the parameter reset to make the truck start. So now you paid them 150 bucks, but then got to turn around and pay a locksmith to come out and pay him 80 bucks. So it kind of almost didn't make sense in a way. Mm -hmm. So that was the big problem with wrap. So, I mean,
0: okay. So is there any other remote, Programming services like that out there oh. that can work or, or that can get past the LSID thing? I mean, nope.
1: I mean, there's AirPro and Aztec, which they basically use a special device to emulate the factory tool. So if Aztec or AirPro would have a dealer login, say, and they had dealer access to get, for example, on Ford. If you're a Ford technician, when it brings up that screen, you've seen it. It says, are you a dealer tech, or are you a NASDAQ person? And um, basically, you just need to say, hey, I'm a dealer tech. You hit it, and you log in, and there's no D1. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem is is the dealers are self-audited. So the dealers get checked by their own OEMs to make sure their paperwork's in a row. Now, granted, the dealer's doing what? A million cars a year, if not more. So the chances of them getting picked on the one VIN may not matter. But if you're a company like Aztec and you're doing 100,000 cars, well, that that might raise a red flag to Ford. Who knows? I mean, is there behind-the-scenes money there that may be buying them some privileges? We could speculate, but, I mean, nobody can say anything for sure. I'm just going to assume they're following the rules and that they're at this current point in time with what we're talking about, No, you, there is no mobile programming that can do LSID stuff.
0: Okay. Until, uh, we have something new, uh, the air.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Until something air. Yeah. Until this new thing air, (laughs) I, uh, I feel like we have, yeah. Until Eric air was released. Um, so what is air, right? That's what we're going to talk about. How fun is it? Um, So AIR stands for Assisted Immobilizer Reprogramming. So basically, in a nutshell, this allows remote programmers, those not on site. So we're talking Aztec, AIR Pro, um, RAP, and, you know, they're not on site. So I'm in Florida. They're in really expensive New York paying way too much in taxes. (laughs) They're going to do it for me. Um, not on site to be able to perform a VSP functions while not present. I want to make it very clear. They are now able to do a VSP function when they're not present. So, of course, this becomes an interesting question, and, and I know what's coming, because <laughs> this was the first question I had. Well, wait a minute. How can they do that? Who holds the VSP then, right? Because a VSP is the only way, a vehicle security professional is the only way to get this access. So I dug into this a little and realized that the the air service provider, so now you have to sign up with NASDAQ to be an air service provider. Currently, there's going to be three. One of them's in Canada, so I don't care to even remember it. It's some small mobile company with two guys. The other one was in the United States it's AirPro, which is really big in the collision world, so that kind of scares me. And then the other one is Opus. Um, which I'm not surprised. I mean DrewTech is the leading J twenty five thirty four box maker and they make the wrap. So I mean if you're gonna run a gauntlet of tests, pick the two biggest names, I mean you could argue that maybe Aztec is bigger than AirPro. But I don't I don't know for sure. I'm not really that into them. So um, so basically what happens is they have signed up to be an air service provider, which gives them some kind of special VSP. So now what happens is, is uh, uh, let's do a real life example. So, Sean, you own a shop, right? We're just going to call it Sean shop because. All right. That's what everybody names their shop is after the first name, right? So, so you have this Ford come in and you're like, oh, look, it burned up coils. Shock and awe. Oh, it's going to need a PCM. Oh, this happens to be a 2016 Fusion, which needs an LSID because it started really early in Fords on certain cars. Always catches you off guard too. And so you go, oh, great. Well, I can't do the security function. Well, I'm going to put in an air request. So you put in an air request, and I'm going, "Hey, I'm near Sean's shop. I like Sean. Sean's a good guy. He always buys me pizza at the ATG class because they don't provide <laughs> any food." And so I see you put in a request because I'm a service provider, and um, I I call you up. I say, "Hey, Sean, I see you got this request. Can you send me over the documents? Because as the shop, you're still providing the same documents." to the service provider. You're still providing the driver's license and the registration, right? Mm -hmm. So then I'm going to get those verify that everything's correct on them. They're not expired. The name on the driver's license matches the registration, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to be able to use my VSP as the air service provider and get the information I need, whether it's by a pin code, if we're doing a Chrysler or fill out that D one and just do the Ford. So you're paying a fee for the air service provider. Um, I believe it's $45 and it's for the first five times. And then I'm gonna have to charge you another fee if there's a fee involved for me using my VSP. So if I have to buy a pin code or whatever, you're gonna pay a fee again because I have to buy that. So the the difference here is is you as the shop are not seeing any of that security information, which is why you don't need the VSP. So I want to make this clear that the shop that's requesting the air service sees no PIN code, no key codes, because oftentimes when you buy a PIN code, you get the key code with it. Um, That shop is seeing none of this. It's all done in the background. So um, this brings up, I I, I know you mentioned it, but I want to talk about it now because I I feel this is important because I mentioned it earlier. We talked about how this industry is kind of like the second chance industry. And over the weekend, I will tell you, I was annoyed when I read this. And I was like, this is dumb. I was ticked. And then I sat down and I thought about it. And I had a buddy call me and he goes, hey, you know what's funny? I said, what? He goes, oh, I'm really excited about air. I said, well, why would you be excited about this? And he's like, do you know, I, I can't get my VSP because of something that happened when I was 18. The dude's 42. He did something stupid when he was 18. Can't get a VSP. Well, he works on a bunch of mercedes and he's like it's a big deal for me to get these mercedes parts now with air i can sign up for air and get these parts okay i can't get my lsid but i can get this i can get these parts now and you know i, I was like okay if we're all about truly bettering the industry and i i know some great shop owners who've screwed up in their lives i mean I think the more nuts you are, the better the technician you are. I, mean, I, know, I got a buddy. has got nine different profiles because he keeps getting kicked off of Facebook. I can't even keep track of which profile I'm supposed to message anymore when I have an Audi question. But hey, um, he doesn't have an LSID. And so he has a hard time with Otis and other things. So I see what they were saying when you read that long post from Donnie about how this could help tax. I I get it. Mm -hmm. And there is a place for this industry. I mean, people tell me all the time, well, well, there's a place in the industry for, for giving free information away like we do on Facebook. Okay. Well, this is the way to help bring those guys who screwed up equal to the other guy who didn't screw up. But yet that guy paid his price. Like, I just feel it's really bad to punish somebody twice so to me, if that guy did his time in jail or whatever it is, paid his dues, and now he's working, he's trying to provide first family. He's really changed his life around to punish him twice to not be able to fix a car. is just absurd. Yeah. yeah I just, I, I, I 100% I agree. annoying. Right. So, I mean, okay. So, so that's kind of like my whole, like, okay, I, I get why we're doing this. um, And it's, it's definitely something interesting. And, and I get this, like, there's a lot of liability in this. I can see a lot of ways for this to go sideways, right? Like, to me, I can Photoshop anything if I take pictures of it. I mean, I could easily forge a driver's license and a registration and change the VIN and steal somebody's car. Um, but let's face it, that's not an industry professional. I mean, if somebody's going through that amount of length to fill out an air request, right? Yeah. Call up Opus, waste their time to try to steal this car. I, I mean, they're going to use tools of questionable origins that are faster and better anyway. So who cares? Right? Like they're yeah. not going to do it. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this and, and it threw me through a loop, and I called a couple people who I know are on some boards uh, or, or I call them boards, but the NASDAQ has different sections and you can sit in meetings and listen to what's coming up. And, and are I mean, if you have a, an LSID or a v or a VSP, you can sit on any of them for free. I mean, I I sit on the Security Council meetings all the time. Usually, I'm half listening because I'm working on a car because they're in the middle of the afternoon. But they're interesting to listen to. Um, I just totally lost my thought. <laughs> that's <what laughs> happens dude, that dude, happens to it. me all the time. That's funny. I did. I totally lost my thought. I want to go back in time and listen to myself.
0: Uh, um, I'll, I'll try to get us back on track here. Okay. So, well, let me, let me back up a step here real quick. So the person who's okay. taking this information in at the shop, right? What credentials do they need to have to be qualified for this? Cause I, I'm sure there's some sort of vetting process for that, right?
1: There, there, there is. And, and I'll tell you that I looked didn't really see much. Um, okay. I know it's free to apply, and it, it that's the part that kills me because I just paid my $400 to renew, and I'm like, why are they free? <laughs> oh, it's $400. It's not $475. It's 400 It's three ninety-nine ninety-nine. Um, So I'm like, that's annoying. Like, why do I have to pay 400 and go through all this paperwork every year? But they don't. And then I realized, oh, yeah, because I can go in and look up any key code I want in America. Like, I can buy it. No problem. They can't. Um, so the shop has to have one person who's kind of like the registered security air requester. Right. So th- there's one guy at the shop who can request the services and he, I don't know, just has a pulse. I, I, I say <laughs> that jokingly because I, I really could not find anything. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be some things brought up. I, I think we're talking about this so new that I couldn't yeah. find it. Or I just overlooked it and didn't realize that it was like a little list of credentials. Um, But there is. There is somebody there. And then the insurance is going to be the next one. Who has the insurance? Well, it's going to fall back on the VSP, right? Because if the car gets stolen, they're coming after the VSP. That's why we got to have all our paperwork. Because the OEMs, when when a car is stolen, the first thing a police do is go, hey, did anybody make a key for this? And they check with the OEMs. And the OEMs go, oh, well... Matt over there programmed a key for this yesterday at two o'clock. Well, guess who's coming over to find me real quick? The police. Hey, you programmed <laughs> a key for this car yesterday at two o'clock. It got stolen at four. What happened? Oh, well, well, well. And let me be clear. Um, Cause I missed this. Oh, this is what I was going for. <laughs> key programming. Um, there's no key programming or key origination with the air service. Mm. However, From the people I talked to on the different boards, so I was going to mention, if you do a BCM in a Ford, you have to program two keys in a newer BCM because that's a theft module. That key programming is considered programming, not key programming. Hmm. Does that make sense? (laughs) So, yes, they're programming keys but they're not programming a new key to the car to start it and drive away. Those keys are already present. Gotcha. Yeah, they're already cut. So they the can't vehicle. do add a key or all keys. Right. You can't do add a key or all keys lost, but you can program a key to finish a theft module. It that's how I was explained and that's from somebody who like was pretty sure that's how he heard it in the security meeting but we'll have to wait and find out. But I would believe that to be correct. Cause that makes the most sense. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the point of going through all this? If I can't add the keys into the <laughs> security module.
0: Right. Yeah. So there's obviously some. I'm so uh, glad I uh, remember. I <laughs> yeah. It's always a good feeling when you get back on track, you're just like, okay, that's where I was going with it. I'm I- so
1: excited right now. <laughs> that's where I was going with it.
0: Um, so there's some mobile technicians <laughs> and people that run mobile businesses right now that are, I guess a little hot about this change, you know, people, people don't like change. So I, what, <laughs> what, what's your like perspective on that?
1: So I, I mean, my honest opinion is I don't like it, um, but I don't like it because I'm being selfish. Uh, I mean, I've gained some very big clients because Aztec refuses to do LSID stuff because of the paperwork involved. Despite having techs on the ground and being able to buy them VSPs, they're like, oh, we don't want to mess with it. So I gained two really big body shops um, because they couldn't do a Ford SRS module and a Ford blind spot module. Now, don't ask me why Ford decided to make the airbag module and the blind spot module an LSID thing along with front radar. I I dumbest idea ever, but whatever. It got me into that shop and the shop's like, wait, you have this license. Um, yeah, yeah. Cause I do the Ford dealers. So I fill this out all the time. So then I was like, Hmm. And the guy's like, Oh, well, can you do this car too? Yeah, I can do that car. So I was there one day early in the morning. Um, and he's like, Oh, you can do this Honda. You can do this Toyota. Oh, you can do this. Yeah. Oh, do you do Ados too? Yeah, I can do that. And he's like, why am I calling the other guy? I'll just keep calling you. So I kind of stole their shop. (laughs) I mean, I'm one guy, so I don't think it really affected the big company, but I mean, I basically got the shop because I had this license. So now if air would have been out, would I've gotten that call? Probably not. So is this going to affect mobile guys? Yeah. Um, My other big complaint with this is the fee. Um, it's only $45 for five times. So if I use it a thousand times, I only paid $45 five times. But on, I get that we're both paying for the key code and blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. and technically the 45 times five is more than what I pay for an LSID a year. But I'm like, really, if the shop uses it a hundred times, they should be required to get an LSID. I mean, unless they just can't, but I think there should be a point where NASDAQ says, listen, man, you've used your air service like a thousand times in 365 days. It's time for you to invest in your own. Um, But there'll be stipulations, and I don't want a shop owner who can't get it to be penalized. Um, But yeah, I I would like to see maybe a, a fee a little more. And there's a lot of beef. The other thing some of those other guys are complaining about is, oh, well, you know, they're just paying money, you know, it's Opus bought their way in. And I'm like, well, you know, you sit here and you complain about it, but are you on those meetings that happen every other month? I mean, there's there's a meeting with Nasdaq once a month. I mean, don't sit here and complain about something, but yet not be in the meetings. Like, if I can take my time as the only employee of my company to at least sit and listen to half the call, two-thirds the call – um. I was really glad to hear the Mercedes call, the way they changed the Mercedes TRP parts. was brilliant. Um, Had a rocky rollout, but it was brilliant. And so kind of streamlined it a little, messed some things up. I mean, it's not perfect. Nothing ever is. Um, If you find the perfect organization, don't join it. You're going to mess it up. It's just how (laughs) life is. But I mean, if you're going to bash them and say, Hey, let's not do this. This is dumb. Well, why weren't you on that meeting call? Why aren't you sitting on the board? Why don't you try to do something to help them? I mean, that's, I started a J2534 group because I got sick of seeing all the programming questions in groups and you got 50,000 wrong answers and maybe two guys knew the right answer. And I was like, this is dumb. So <laughs> me and another guy started the group together and, you know, it's a small group. I keep it private, but it's easier to help maintain and keep the questions in. And it, it works. Um, but that's just it. I mean, do I like this program hundred percent? No. Do I see some benefits to it? Yeah. Yeah. I can see some benefits to it. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it's played. Do I feel like it's going to benefit the big dogs a little more than us? Sure. Um, one of the things I'm kind of concerned about is, is, is actually a company nobody's going to dare think about. It's all tell. Mm. I mean, Altel comes out with these random tools all the time. It would almost take nothing for them to create a remote programming system, become an air service provider in six months, because they have to wait six months because they're gonna run a test pilot for six months. Everybody's a friggin' Altel. Sure. Right? So if Alltel launches a mobile programming system, we're in big trouble. That that could be the end all be all the programming if they execute it well. Um but I mentioned the Right to Repair Act. The real problem with this whole system actually starts from 2017 when the law was passed, or 2015, and and now we're in 2018. And and why does that matter? Well, let's think about it, right? So starting in 2018, your J2534 box has to emulate the factory tool, right? 100% OE functions. Now, Nissan decided – now, one thing they left out, which is why we have Repair Act 2.0, is security. Right. Okay. So they decided the OEMs, if they put security in the module, they don't need to let that information out. That's considered a trade secret. Can't see my air quotes again. Trade secret. <laughs> um, so that's why security is left out of Nissan's R2R. OK, fine. Dandy. Well, this kind of explains why Ford put security in random modules. They didn't want people messing with things they don't feel they should be messing with right? ADOS is a big safety feature. They don't want you screwing with it if you don't really know what you're doing. So I think they kind of shoved security in there as the, Hey, now you can't touch it because it's got security in it. Okay. So the problem is, is everybody who's complaining right now and is worried about jobs being stolen is worried about Opus, AirPro, Aztec, right? They're worried about these big three companies, mm-hmm. but yet we gave them the keys. Three, Two year, three years ago now when we passed the Right to Repair Act and everybody jumped for joy. And these shop owners were praising the Right to Repair Act because it let them get service information and tools so much cheaper. Now I can buy a, I don't know, $1,700 Card 3. I don't even know what it costs. Um, and and I can do all the OEMs with it. Where yeah. before, when I started in 2015, oh, I had to buy a Nissan VCM. Oh, I had to buy a Ford VCM. Oh, I have an MDI-1. I have... You know, the Chrysler Micropod, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. I have like 10 interfaces floating around my truck. I'm like, this is dumb. And I I will say I got annoyed with it. But once I bit the pill and swallowed them and realized I could charge for them, it wasn't a big deal. So the problem becomes not what happened now. This was expected. If you didn't see this coming when they passed the Right to Repair Act, you're just crazy. Like, I knew this was coming the moment that passed. I've yeah. had conversations with people at Drew Tech and I was like, so when are you guys gonna get a uh, find a way to do the LSID remotely? Because uh, <laughs> it's a no brainer at this point. Um, so I mean I saw this coming. This wasn't like something that was gonna not happen. And let's face it, there's not enough mobile technicians, there are not enough certified VSPs to go out and program every car and cover every shop. Right. I mean, sure. I'm outside a major city. I'm not far from Orlando, but I can go from one side to Orlando to the other in an hour. How many shops did I miss? I mean, can I cover everything? No. So do we need a hundred thousand mobile technicians? No, none of us would ever make any money, but at a certain point there's, there's a catch point. And then you throw back in the other shops that can't get an LSID that maybe don't want a mobile guy or there's not a mobile guy in their area. And, and it just becomes this like, uh, it's a cat and mouse game. I, I honestly think I will lose some business over this. Okay. Right. I mean, it's an interval. Every change equals some business loss. Sure. However, there's going to be the time it fails going to be a time. It doesn't work going to be the time something goes sideways. And then I'm going to get the call. And it's about providing the customer service to your customer. That matters. I had a shop that got suckered in. I say suckered in. So suckered into an Aztec. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's going to be great. It didn't work the first three times they tried it. The dude shipped it back. He's like, I'm done. I just keep calling this mobile guy that takes four or five hours to get here. He's nice. He always shows up. Sometimes he yells and throws tools at me because I'm an (laughs) idiot and wasted his time. But at least he shows up. You know? Um, Yeah, I'm not always nice to some people. Um, But... You know, and I think that's the uh that's that's the end game now, right? so we have to provide some kind of service and relationship to our to our customers um when I had covid it was probably my biggest fear of my life. I'm gonna miss two weeks of work where I can't provide any service to these shops. And they're going to have to call somebody else. What if they yeah. call the other guy and he's better than me? What if they call the other guy he's nicer than me? What if they call the other guy and he's nicer and better than me and he looks good, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much to beat my looks, but still. <laughs> um, I was super nervous about it. And you know what's funny is as I had COVID and I come out of the room to – for lunch or something and i said oh after lunch babe i gotta i gotta go fix a car it's in the driveway what do you mean it's in the driveway so i don't know i said the other guy couldn't fix it i feel fine just a little tired i'm gonna go fix it in the driveway with my covid they said they didn't care and they left me a little covid like disinfectant spray so when i got done (laughs) i just sprayed the disinfectant and i called them they picked up the car but i mean i was generally scared for nothing i mean nothing yeah and and those two big shops that i got from Aztec and another mobile company that don't want to do LSIDs. They called them back out. And the guy's like, Oh, why haven't I been here? And he's like, Oh, we're using this like really small guy. He's nice. You know, and I have relationships with him. I buy him lunch once in a while. We hang out. I ask what their kids are doing. Right. There's a genuine relationship there that you can't get with a mobile company. So, right. I think this is going to affect the industry and it's going to make getting new shops harder. But I don't think this is the end end of the world, like some of these people say it is.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is I've been, you know, to a lot of shops around me, you know, doing some marketing and stuff. And hey, do you need programming services or whatever? And I, I think I've only run into one or two shops that even have a wrap system, you know, as of right now. Um, and so it's it's not super commonplace to have that in the first place. But like you said, that personal relationship that you have with them, it really, it really makes a difference when you get in with technicians and the shop owners and heck, maybe you screw something up one time. I mean, obviously I I, I do that all the time. Like I'll just make a bad oh, call sure. or I'll brick a module. And it just looks, I feel like an idiot. I'm like, these people are never going to call me again. You know, but I've been working with them for a while, and then I get another phone call from them. I'm like, okay, cool. They they want me to come back, and they keep using me, keep using me. It's I built that relationship with them, right? That uh, you know that I'm going to show up. You know, I'm going to do everything I can for you. I'm going to help you out where I can, and uh, that that makes the difference. But like you said, you can't get that from a big company. It's just it's not going to happen. And,
1: and and there's tools of questionable origin that have this thing called sod right support on demand and you can have somebody remote in and program your volkswagen and it's like wait a minute you're complaining about vsp rights yet you're using your gecko license on a car that you have not seen you've had no proof of ownership no proof of registration and you're gonna do whatever that guy requested uh i'm confused because the whole point of this is to lock things down and to keep it safer. I mean, it just kind of cracks me up. It's like if you're going to condemn one tool and make money or, or blame NASDAQ for this, but yet make money off using another tool because you pay for this Volkswagen or Audi license and and you're doing this support on demand system, but yet you're not verifying all that owner's information, then what's? why are you upset? because they're going to maybe steal a little bit of money from you. Okay. Like that's business. Um, mm-hmm. You can't win them all. I, I just, I don't know. It, it just kind of got to me this weekend when I was talking to some people about this and I was just like, what are you upset about? Did you sit on the meetings? Like, and that's what gets me. Like if you're not, don't, this is a big thing with me. Don't sit here and complain about something without having a possible solution to fix it. Yeah. Right? Like I don't like NASDAQ's idea of oh you only pay five times. I'd say you should pay every time. But there's probably a reason they said five times. And and if you read the report, it said that in their test program, which has been two to three years or something crazy, most shops didn't use it more than five times. Okay. Fine. But the the same guys complaining about the programming loss they're gonna have are going to be the same guys who say, Oh, over the air updates are never going to work. Right. I can't believe vehicles haven't gone to over the air update yet. I haven't plugged my iPhone into update it in three years. Other mm-hmm. than when I got my new phone and I had do a manual backup, my wife's new 2020 Explorer. I will say I'm a little nervous to hit the like sync update button just because I've <laughs> bricked enough syncs in my lifetime to like, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think this weekend I'm going to park it next to my house because you can use your house Wi-Fi so you can increase the download speed instead of using their little like 5G it comes with or 4G or whatever it is. So I think I'm going to pull it up next to my daughter's room, let it down. I mean, it does it with the car running so the battery won't go dead. Sure. So you download it and then it installs. And I'm like, hmm, kind of want to try this. I mean, Chrysler's been doing it for a while. I mean, at what point... Are you going to be okay with change in the industry? And that's been my thing this weekend. Can I accept this change? Because if Altel decides to make a rap programmer, I'm telling you, are people just gonna boycott Altel? Oh, I'm never buying another Altel. Well, that ain't gonna happen. Right? Man. But NASDAQ makes one small change and it's oh my gosh, we gotta abandon this ship. And it's like, uh, I see bigger changes coming than this. Yeah, I mean one of my what former act?
0: students is—he works for Tesla, and he was—he was telling me about some of the stuff that they do. How he does most of his work from a laptop, not at the car, right? And then updating and going through the programming and finding issues with the software and all this stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't even—I don't even go to the car. It's just all over the air." And that's—that <laughs> is how it's going to be eventually. At some point or another, it has to.
1: Right. Let's face it. Right. So we're going to EV cars, right? We got this new great Democratic president, Congress, and Senate. EV's here to stay now, at least for two years. And if the Republicans win one or both of the houses in two years, then maybe we'll be back to gasoline and burning dead dinosaurs. <laughs> but for right now, EV's here to stay. Yep. But with EV comes a lot of changes. and And what people really want with EV is self-driving. But I think that's going to change, right? Because we have a lot of shops who aren't doing ADOS correctly. And we can have another podcast on that for another day. Um, But, for example, Toyota says if you do alignment, you have to do these calibrations. How many shops are letting that go? Right? So once we hit this level three car where it's got like a geofence system in it and it can basically kind of drive itself, level four, really less inputs, level five, screw it. You don't need a steering wheel on a gas pedal. Uh, what are we going to be fixing on these cars? Just changing brakes and tires and then replacing the part that needs that got a code. I mean, these changes are coming and we have to either start to look at it and go, okay, what am I going to do differently? Or just complain about it. And I don't know. I'm not the most loved guy in the automotive industry. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm looking at this going, I'll be 34 in May. And what am I going to do with this if I stay in this for another 10 or 15 years? I mean, GM, Ford has all announced no more gasoline engines come 2035. Done. That's a big change. Yeah. Right? I mean.
0: It's, it's eight of my courses that I teach are centralized around the internal combustion engine. So I'm like, boy, I'm going to have to really change up <laughs> or we have to completely change the structure of our program. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, the gas engine is going to be around for a while, but yeah, you got to start thinking about that stuff is it, it, it's all going to be completely different 30 years from now.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the things I've seen since the right to repair act, kind of get back on topic. Um, the mobile programming world, and you probably see this, once you're in it, you realize that everybody and their brother thinks they can be a mobile diagnostic guy. It it doesn't work. It's like saying everybody should be a shop owner. It doesn't work. I mean, we've got good shop owners. We've got okay shop owners. We've got shop owners that are so terrible. You're like, please just die and go away now. And then we got job owners that are just terrible. Um. So I mean this is like one of them things where it might weed out some shops maybe I mean the the nice part about this is is if they call for a air program right and and the wrap programs that module well there's nobody there to diagnose it so now they've not only ate the module now they've ate the programming fee and they've still got nobody there to diagnose it so Maybe after losing twelve fourteen hundred dollars, and the mogul programmer guy, who's also good at diagnosing, isn't there to go. Well, for two hundred bucks, I'll diagnose it, and tell you why you screwed up. <laughs> you know, you eat two or three thousand dollars worth of them calls. Maybe you just won't take them, which would help improve the industry in my mind because now we're not wasting customers' money and time and parts. Or it just causes the shop to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Close up," because not all shops should be here. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see some really good things with this. And again, I mean, I, I see bad, I see good. I'm just going to let it roll and see what happens. You're not changing it at this point. This ball is rolling downhill with full mm-hmm. steam. You're not stopping it. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta
0: adapt. <laughs> I mean, that's really all. It, I mean, there's obviously, but it always changes the automotive industry. Like, you know, even just on the car itself, it's going to change. It's going to change. We got to change with it. We got to adapt. And that's, that's just how it's always been for me. Anyways, is what's new. What do
1: I got to figure out tomorrow that I don't know right now? I mean, when I started on cars, we still had distributors in them. (laughs) And I remember getting a scanner to, to turn the GM distributor to get it plus or minus two degrees. So you get the stupid code out. I mean, and then we went to no distributors. And I was like, oh, great. No more cap and rotor sales. That sucks. Oh, no more wire sales. That sucks. But it hasn't really hurt anything. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice. And mm-hmm. granted, I opened the hood in my wife's 2020 Explorer ST and went, good Lord, there's a bunch of crap underneath there. Close the hood and be like, praise God for a warranty. And then I walked <laughs> away. <laughs> I mean, but you you have to take these changes. And sure, I'm... I'm sure there's things Donnie didn't do right in this. I'm sure NASDAQ didn't do things right in this. But overall, they're doing something. I mean, would I have rather them not have spent the amount of time they spent on this and get me information for Nissan? Yes. Because if I have to mail Tweedle (laughs) one more time for a freaking airbag file, I'm going to go insane. (laughs) Because you never know. I tell my shops, I'm going to email them. When are you going to get it back? eh, six hours to 96 hours. We'll just see how the guy's feeling that day. <laughs> I mean, it's just rid- I, That kind of stuff drives me nuts. And, yeah. you know, I and and then, you know, that's where NASDAQ really comes in, right? So you can put a, uh, a, a CIR complaint in, and NASDAQ looks into it, and they ask the OEM, hey, what's going on? Well, the problem is, is the OEM's answer is correct. Well, they can get the information if they email us, but the problem is, is, well, that's great, but I want it now. I am at right. the core. Now <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to drive back out here. I want it now. Yeah. And so I mean, I and and to me, the right to repair act left a lot out, right? Like Nissan, they have their own service information and repair system. The name totally escapes my mind right now. It's gonna come to me in five minutes. But we can't get that in the aftermarket. Oh, assist, Nissan Assist, that's it. See Okay. You can't get assist in the aftermarket. However, if I had assist, I wouldn't need their Nissan airbag files. If I had assist, it wouldn't. There's times where I wouldn't be emailing Twiddle going, hey, man, what transmission file goes in this thing or what ECM file goes in this? Yeah. Right. Because there's a thousand choices when you get that blank module. I mean, there is other things I would rather NASDAQ push. However, you can only push so far on the OEMs before the OEMs may lock you out. Completely. I mean, Mercedes the only the only state that you can buy a key code in is California because they have different laws than anybody else. Okay. There's there's some European countries that you when you when when that dealer puts in a a a, a key code request mm-hmm. to cut a key, the key code is sent to the key machine. They stick the blade in it and hit cut. Nobody ever sees the key code. Mm because of their laws and their antitrust systems and, and they don't want cars stolen because stolen cars is a big problem. Sure. But I think that this was a decent solution, maybe not the best one, but I don't have any other way to do what they need to do. So, I mean, I'm not going to knock it because I don't have a better idea. Well, okay. I'll kind of knock it, but I'll give them credit for coming up with a, uh, a solution in a rock and a hard place. I mean, if they did nothing, people who can't get an LSID get screwed. If They do yep. something. Anybody who's a mobile programmer thinks they're being screwed. And it's all about, Oh, big businesses buy their way in. Cause they sit on all the boards. Dah, 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 dah. Well, you know what? Take two hours, sit on the boards and, and, put your complaints in because once the ball's in motion, you ain't stopping it. Yep. I mean it's like juggernaut for Xbox. Once he's going, he's going, baby. <laughs> Ain't no stopping him unless you're that kid with the magical powers that just causes him to like bounce off the wall. <laughs> I watched those the other day while I was working on a project. So Oh
0: yeah. I was at uh yeah, Hugh Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. Those are some good oh, flicks there. Are the best. Yep. And sure. they're like
1: they're like pre like I'm not a hardcore, like blood guts core kind of guy which mm-hmm. is kind of surprising. Um, unless it's like a historic movie, like Saving Private Ryan, I'm okay with okay. it. Okay. But like, if it was like Wolverine, like just dicing people up and blood everywhere, like the Saw movies, I'm like, oh, these are terrible. I don't care. But if it's like, you know, I like the older X-Men because there's like, I call it Disney friendly, right? Yeah. I get stabbed but <laughs> there's no blood. I'm like, yeah, my <laughs> movie. <laughs>
0: all right well is there uh anything else you wanted to cover on this
1: Uh, um i'm looking over what we talked about before i think we covered almost all of it yeah it's this is really going to be interesting to see how it changes things i think there's some people blowing this way out of the water um and it's not going to be a big deal um I don't know. I it's funny, I've been taking some stock trading courses and the guy has a saying. Yeah, the guy has a saying. He says every act every reaction is an overreaction. And so he's like, if bad news comes out, just buy the dip. It's gonna go back up like four or five percentage points. And I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Why would you overreact? Don't you do your due No, he's right. They have a big sell off and then like next day it jumps up like four or five percent. And and I'm like, that's ridiculous. So I, I, th- I think the automotive industry is the same way. And I, I was, man, sure. I, I called the guy on Friday and I was livid after I made my post about it. And he's like, you just need to calm down and think about this. And then when one of the guys called me and said he couldn't get a VSP and he's super excited about this and I'm friends with that guy and he's like, man, this is really going to help my shop out and be able to do more. Da And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. That's a valid point. Like why do we have Facebook groups trying to help and teach people, but yet we're not willing to let the guy grow his business because he did something stupid. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, can't have it both ways. So yeah, definitely think we're overreacting right now. I'm not saying this is all cupcakes and rainbows. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very much expecting to lose some sales over this and I will probably be yelling at Nasdaq as I lose sales over it, but it's, I felt it was inevitable. Like this had to come up at some point. I mean, I wish it would happen like five years from now when I'm like way more comfortable in my business. <laughs> you know, I have, yeah. have, have more money sitting in the bank. Cause we didn't just go through a pandemic. <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. I can't change it. That's right. It's going to roll with the punches. Well, Hey, one
0: thing I want to say to you, honestly, is thank you for the work that you are putting in. Honestly, I mean, you do a ton and you do a ton that people don't see. And I mean, I mean, stuff like you donated the, <laughs> the scope to my students, which is awesome. And you do a ton of work for this industry. And I just want everybody to know that that's listening. And so I, I want to give a big thank you to you. I mean, not only for coming on here and talking about this stuff, I and mean, we're kind of just BS in here, but uh, just all the work that you put in. Honestly, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, I just, I want people to know that.
1: Well, you're welcome. I'm, I'm hoping your students enjoy the scope. We'll uh, definitely try to keep that tradition going. I thought that was fun. Yeah. So yeah, you got lucky. Um, I, I do a lot and I reached out to somebody and he gave me a helping hand over the weekend with some paperwork I hate doing. Um, And so when you said, Hey, let's talk about this. I'm like, I initially read your text and was like, no, I don't have time to sit here and research this. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I do. Because this other guy offered to help me with my paperwork. So now I have like (laughs) a bunch of free time. So I was super excited. So yep. There's some people in this industry who help me. So I try to help back and hopefully some kid younger than me in your class will be like, man, I got this scope from some nobody and now I'm doing good. I want to give back. So the guy who helps me says you always got to pay it forward. So that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm hoping that by helping your students out, the next generation can help out the next generation and, and we can keep it going. I mean, you never know what happens in the future. And we're always going to have cars, maybe. I don't know. If they come up with flying vehicles soon, I'll be pretty stoked because I'll be able to travel faster. But I'll be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to work on that.
0: Right? Yeah. I don't want to do the 8S calibration on a, f- a flying car.
1: <laughs> I just don't want to work on flying. Have you ever been to an airport mechanic and seen their roles?
0: Well, Dude. I've worked with a couple Air Force uh, mechanics and, and heard of all the stuff they got to do. They put wire ties on everything and all that stuff. And,
1: and every tool has a place and it's all going to be checked in, checked out. You got to make sure you didn't leave anything in there. I mean, I lose a 10 millimeter socket every time i pull one out i mean i can't afford to flashlights for
0: me i am just (laughs) so terrible with flashlights so i just bought a bunch of them off amazon i'm like i don't even want an expensive one i just have five in my truck i know i'm gonna get rid of these in a vehicle somewhere
1: (laughs) so i used to be just like you and i finally broke down and bought like the 150 fifty dollar led ultra bright stream light yeah still got that sucker because it was so expensive
0: yeah, no, my my Streamlight I had from when I was a uh, Firestone tech is under an express fan somewhere on the frame. It's gone. So that's when I said, nope, I'm just buying cheap ones.
1: <laughs> that's fine. Actually, my newest thing now is, um, I'll send you a link. I think it's a coast headlamp. Okay. And, and sure. so it goes on your head, right? And you can't lose that, I guess. <laughs> can't leave it anywhere. It's rechargeable. It's bright. Like, oh, it's great. So, all right. You got anything else or any other questions or? I
0: think that'll do it. Uh, this was great. Yeah, this was fun. Um, so, yeah. All right. One more big thank you to Matt for coming on the show today. And I also want to thank everybody for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying the show and getting something out of the content. But other than that, let's get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.